Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And this is the tech news for Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. Yesterday, Spotify announced a ton of stuff that I would like to touch on. Before I get to that, I should give you all a disclaimer. I'm an employee of iHeartMedia, and Spotify is a competing company in a lot of ways. Also, what I say here is from my own perspective. It doesn't reflect any sort of official iHeart stance, mostly because I'm not important enough to even know if there is an official stance let alone whatever it might be. So let's get to those announcements. One of them is that Spotify is launching a Hi-Fi, or High Fidelity, premium subscription service later this year. The service will give subscribers access to lossless streaming audio quality. And a quick word on that. Back when data throughput had a lot less oomph behind it, it was really important to compress file sizes so that downloads wouldn't take so darn long but many of those compression strategies meant that this process would also give the boot to some of the file's data, stuff that was deemed unnecessary. When it came to audio, this meant that you would end up with lossy audio files, like MP3s. These were ones that had shed some of the information and thus some of the depth and vibrancy of the audio recording. Now, Spotify is not the first to go with a lossless audio streaming service. Deezer, Tidal, and Amazon Music all have lossless options for premium subscribers. Now, I honestly don't know how big this is in general. I don't have a a good finger on the pulse of the average consumer. My sense is that most people really like the convenience of streaming services and portable music options in general, and that they don't really care quite as much about the actual fidelity of the music they listen to. But I could be totally in the wrong here. That's just from my own, you know, feeling. I still like listening to music on high quality now and again, but that tends to be on a home system using outdated media at this point. Most of the time, I'm actually just listening to stuff without worrying about the fidelity as much. I'm, I'm a monster, I know. Spotify has also been making some really big moves in podcasting and has been for a little while now. Uh, They have launched several podcasts that are exclusive to the platform and they've brought on others and made them exclusive to Spotify. That exclusivity approach is a tough one. You're trying to lure people over to using a specific platform with content that's unique to that platform which is a different approach from how we do things over at iHeart, for example. Our shows appear on all platforms, from iTunes to Spotify to the iHeart app and everything. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with launching an exclusive show for your platform, except that you run into the danger of limiting that show's audience. We learned through the experience of Microsoft Mixer, for example, that it doesn't always work to try and bring over heavy hitters to create exclusive content and thus grow your audience that way. That doesn't always work out the best. If the creator of the show is getting paid truckloads of cash in return for their agreement, they might not really care so much if their audience isn't as huge, but for smaller creators, exclusivity can sometimes mean that you never get your feet 
under you. Still, Spotify does have some truly heavy hitters in the space. The company has signed a deal with DC Comics, and there will be numerous podcasts set in the DC comic universe. Uh, The first of those will be Batman Unburied, and Spotify also signed a deal with the AGBO production company founded by the Russo brothers. That's the pair behind Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So, They've got some serious star power behind them. It remains to be seen if that is going to pull uh, significantly more users over onto that platform. Not long ago, Spotify acquired the podcast hosting platform Megaphone, which includes a feature called Streaming Ad Insertion. Now, if you've ever listened to an old episode of Tech Stuff or Stuff You Should Know or Stuff You Missed in History Class or something like that, you might have noticed that the ads that run on any show, whether it's from the deep archives or not, are they're recent ads. So the episodes could be several years old, but the ads are new. And that's because of tools like streaming ad insertion. Essentially, that lets podcasters designate specific tagged segments like time codes within a podcast. And ads can swap out dynamically in those spots. This gives podcasters the chance to leverage their whole back catalog for ad deals, not just the most recent episodes. So it also means you're not going to hear a five-year-old advertisement for a toothbrush or a mattress and it has a code that doesn't work anymore. Spotify is building out its ad capabilities for podcasters with something called the Spotify Audience Network. Details are a little scarce, but the company says that the service will help podcasters monetize their shows more effectively. The plan is to first roll out the service to Spotify's exclusive podcasts, and then sometime further down the line, they will roll it out to third-party podcasts that are on the Spotify platform. The company also announced new creator tools during its live event. For musical artists, these tools are meant to help with discovery and making sales to new customers. The artists will be able to select which tracks they want to prioritize for discovery purposes, and Spotify will use a pop-up notification called Marquee to get attention from users. Uh, Marquee was actually introduced last year in 2020. It's just now it's going to have some new features in it and get rolled out to a larger number of artists, and that means that we're going to see a lot more artists potentially get discovered through this tool. I think that's really cool. Uh, I think discovery remains one of the toughest challenges for any content creator, regardless of what medium they're working within and what platform they're using. Discovery is just tough. We know that more people than ever are creating awesome stuff and putting it up online. And it is really challenging to find the really good stuff among everything else that's being uploaded. So I'm all for tools that allow creators to get more eyeballs or ears, as the case may be, on their work. And in non-Spotify news, because believe me, we actually have some, Google is lifting its ban on political ads starting tomorrow. Google first put a ban on political advertising following the insurrection at the nation's capital on January 6th, though Google only started the ban on January 14th. That particular ban expires tomorrow, that being Wednesday, and it will mean that Google will accept political ads, including those that focus on specific people, whether those are candidates or an elected official, uh, as well as ballot measures. So if you're in the United States, 
You might be groaning a little bit at the thought of all this because we just went through a truly tumultuous election and the thought of having another round of political ads hit us so soon afterward is a bit disheartening, I would say. Facebook, for the record, also has a ban on political ads in place. And at least as of the time of this recording, that ban is still in place. It will be interesting to see if Google's decision will affect Facebook, or if this will just be a diverging path with Google accepting ads and Facebook continuing to ban them. By the time this episode goes out, we might know more. It may be that Facebook will have already changed its own path. I don't know. If you've got Netflix running on an Android device, you might have some new stuff to watch. The company has a feature called Downloads for You, and the idea is that Netflix will select content based on your viewing habits and it will pre-download stuff you haven't watched yet for you, so you can watch it whenever, even if you don't have a current internet connection. You know, like we used to have to do on airplanes. I vaguely remember flying on airplanes. Anyway, you get to choose the data limit for this feature, if you even want it on at all. It's an opt-in, so you can go and turn on this option. If you do want it, you can choose to limit the data to one gigabyte, three gigabytes, or five gigabytes. Also, the service will only download content when it's over a Wi-Fi connection, so you don't have to worry about it eating up all of the data on your cellular plan. I don't think I would opt into this, but only because I tend to watch really, really bad movies on Netflix so that I can talk about them with my buddies Eric and Ayaz, and I don't need Netflix judging me more than it already does or providing me the next Sharknado movie before I'm really emotionally prepared for it. We do know that this same service is coming to the iOS versions of Netflix later on, I'm curious to see how many people actually use it. Again, this gets into discovery. The idea that Netflix is looking at the sort of stuff you tend to view, drawing conclusions, and then selecting stuff for you that it thinks you're going to like based on your previous behaviors. Another version of AI knowing ourselves better than we do. A study funded by the Jane and Atos Erko Foundation and the Academy of Finland found that the more human a robot appears, the more harshly we judge that robot's actions, at least under a very specific hypothetical situation. So the team gave this hypothetical situation to people and had different versions of the scenario and asked them to kind of grade the morality of a person or robot's decision. And the problem was a classic one, the trolley problem. You probably know this one. Generally, it's presented as there's a trolley that's hurtling down a track, and it's about to collide with a group of five people, and if it does, it will kill all five. You happen to be standing next to a rail switch, and if you throw the switch the trolley will change to a new track of rails and it will definitely kill one person who's on that track, but the five people on the other track will all be spared. So would you do nothing and thus allow five people to die through your inaction, or would you throw the switch, thus dooming that one person on the other track to die? I mean, effectively, you're killing someone, right? I mean, you're either killing someone by not acting at all or killing five people by not acting at all, or you're actively killing someone 
by throwing a switch. It's almost like having a loaded gun and you pull the trigger in that case. So my point is there's not necessarily a right answer to this question, or maybe not a single right answer. It all depends upon your perspective and whether you think that saving five people is worth dooming someone else to death, or if you think somehow by not acting absolves you of the responsibility. Well, the study found that when people were presented with this scenario in which a human had to make the decision, or a very utilitarian robot had to make the decision, the response to those decisions were essentially that both that human and that robot were making morally sound choices. However, the more human the robot was supposed to be, the more harshly people judged it, the more they said, oh, that's not a moral choice, which is weird, right? Because they would give a pass to the regular robot and they would give a pass to the human, but a human looking robot suddenly seemed like that was different somehow, even though it's the same situations. Now, this is just one study, mind you, but it does show how the field of robotics hinges not just on technology, but also human psychology. And the field of human and robot interactions is one I really find fascinating. And our last story is, after 28 years, Daft Punk has split up and retired. They were incredibly influential in the house and techno music genres, They were known for not just their music, but their live performances, which became increasingly rare over the years. I think Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger gets rediscovered every few years, which just shows how amazing their ability was to craft music. They also created the incredible soundtrack to Tron Legacy. And I maintain that that score and Michael Sheehan's performance were really the two standouts of that movie. Their last album came out in 2013. So long, Daft Punk. Thanks for all the tunes. And that wraps up the headlines for today, Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. We'll be back tomorrow with a full episode of Tech Stuff. If you guys have suggestions for things I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, give me a shout. Let me know on Twitter. The handle we use is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.